Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Hey, Collective. If you don't know me, I'm Maggie Wells. I'm a leader here, and I am so honored to wrap up our series, The Things We Carry. If you have a kid in third grade or older in public school, or if you're a public school teacher like me, you know that we are ending the most painful time of the year, MCAP testing. Uh, These weeks seem to go on forever, and the kids are so burnt out by the end of it. And a couple weeks ago, I was starting this new version of the math assessment with my fifth graders where you don't get to start a new section until you have finished the one that you just started. And you have 160 minutes to complete all four sections. So as I walked around the room reading those wonderful scripted directions, it was very clear to my students that they could not move forward until all of the questions in that section were completed. So when my kids started the test, I thought that I had prepared them as well as possible for them to be as successful as they could be. But as soon as they hit that start button, over half of my students started to panic because at the top of their screen, it read question one of 48. And the last instruction that my students had heard was that they had 40 minutes for the section. And so one by one, they started raising their hand, wondering if they had to complete 48 questions in 40 minutes. And so at first, uh, I did not have an answer for them. I walked back to my table as calmly as I could, but I frantically flipped through that instruction guide to make sure that I hadn't missed something somewhere. But no, nothing. There was nothing. And so it wasn't until about 30 minutes later, after my first kid finished the section, that I realized that there were only 15 questions and that the 48 questions were meant for all four sections. This year, I have had one of the toughest classes I've had in 13 years. They aren't the roughest class that I've taught, and they aren't the meanest class that I've taught. They are the neediest. They are so riddled, many of my students are so riddled with anxiety that I rarely make it through a math lesson without having to regulate one or two students from the stress that they feel about math. My kids are always worrying about what comes next, how they don't know enough. And so I work really hard to set them up to be successful. And part of that is over explaining everything to them so that they know what to expect. So naturally, when my kids are taking MCAP the other week, I was furious for them. Here they are taking this high-stakes assessment, and immediately, half of them are set up for failure because nowhere did it explain to them about these 48 questions. They also have other assessments that we take multiple times a year that are at least 40 questions, and they're supposed to take that in about an hour. So it makes perfect sense to me that my kids would assume 48 questions, 40 minutes, here we go. So when expectations are unclear, especially for kids, people are set up for failure. Over the last five weeks, we've been taking a deeper look at things that we carry, the things that weigh us down so much and impact our daily lives and habits. Pastor Michael has touched on several topics. We focused on bitterness and how it can build over time and not only hurt us, but others as it takes root. 
Michael sat down with Karen Leggett, a grief counselor, and reminded us that grief is both universal and personal, and that change equals loss equals grief. Two weeks ago, we were reminded how impactful our insecurities can be. And last week, we were reminded of how strong shame can be in our lives, and that this feeling stems all the way back to Adam and Eve. But it does not come from God. Throughout this series, we've centered on a passage from the Bible in Matthew 11. Personally, these verses are some of the ones that I have clung to the most in recent past. So before we get into today's teaching, I want to reread it to just sort of put our hearts and minds in a place of peace. Starting in verse 28, it reads, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Michael's read a version from the message, which is a paraphrase, and I'll come back to that later. But the reason that I wanted to share this translation with you before we really dive in is because I think for a lot of us, this series has been really challenging, and it has caused us to wrestle in our souls. And so before we explore yet another topic that's really tough, uh, we can ground or settle ourselves in the fact that Jesus wants to be with us in the struggle. He wants to give us rest, and not just physical rest, but real rest, soulful rest. And just knowing that gives me the courage that I need to do the hard work. And so today I'm going to do just that by wrapping up our series and sharing the weight that I feel the most, expectations. For me, Expectations are the foundation for my insecurities, shame, and the bitterness that I have felt towards others. Expectations are the topics that I have focused on the most in my soul work over the years, and if I'm honest, I still have a lot of work to do, which is why Michael asked me to share with you all today. Classic Michael, always telling us to own our growth. Expectations are defined as things looked forward to, and expectation is the act or state of looking forward or anticipating. And while those definitions are certainly true, author Brene Brown's definition of expectations, resentments waiting to happen, seems much more fitting for the majority of the time. But the first thing that we have to realize is that everyone deals with expectations all the time. And we all have expectations. Expectations are a part of life. At work, at home, at school, with your friends, as a parent, as a wife, Husband, son, daughter, sister, or brother. All of these roles carry expectations. And like most things, there are two sides to this. And this is largely affected by our mental health and where we are in life. Expectations can be super helpful, but they can also be the cause of hurt. Expectations can be a great tool to help determine whether or not we're being successful. In a healthy manner, they can help us create a sense of structure and safety Teachers everywhere will tell you that the first few weeks of school, it is pivotal to have those expectation conversations for your classroom. And as students get older and more mature, or should be, uh, you can can allow them to be drivers of that conversation so that they have some buy-in, right? And so that they feel autonomy even when they're in the structure of the classroom. At work, on a team, in a group, you want to know what's expected of you so that you know when you're being successful. You want your team to have straightforward expectations so that each person can contribute toward a common goal. Having clear expectations also creates accountability. In close relationships, 
Knowing what the other person needs from you and what you need from them can help you grow in trust and vulnerability. Clear expectations can be a helpful tool. And another one from Brene Brown, and one of my favorites that I use all the time, clear is kind. But then there's that other side of expectations. For many of us, expectations can also be a major source of anxiety and disappointment. We often find ourselves struggling. We may struggle like feeling like we're failing to meet the expectations at work or at school or within our relationships, especially the closest ones, or we feel building resentment from expectations that others fail to meet for us. And so we've got to ask ourselves, where does this conflict come from? Why are we constantly battling the story in our minds that we are not enough and that people are always letting us down? And so I'll be the first to admit that these questions are often at the root of my anxiety. I second-guess myself more than I'd care to admit, and I'm often worried about letting others down or disappointing them because of unspoken expectations that I assume that they have for me. And that's an incredibly unhealthy struggle, and I know that. And it's one that I've been working through for years. My fear of not meeting people's expectations has led me to build walls and only show the parts of me that I think people will view as acceptable. And as a follower of Jesus, I know that that is totally out of line of who God calls me to be and who he says that I am. Over the years, this has been a real battle for me, and it has required a lot of work. I started going to therapy to really dig into who I am, and I've had the privilege of participating in the liminal women's retreat where I had the opportunity to be challenged to my very core of who I am and how I can use my life experiences and challenges to deepen my relationship with God. And so to any woman who is looking for an opportunity for real growth and challenge, I cannot recommend this retreat enough. Come find me in the lobby today and I would love to get you information. There are several upcoming retreats and there's actually one this fall that's local. You can also find that on the coming up in the Church Center app. So if you don't have the app, get it. But I found through so much of this work in hard and vulnerable conversations with the people that I trust the most that fear has played too large of a role in my life. I've made incredibly hurtful decisions out of fear and at times it has kept me from living a full life. But the hardest part of all is that it has has hindered my relationship with Jesus. And I imagine that I'm not the only person in the room today that could say that. So we have to ask ourselves, how is the fear of not living up to others' expectations, getting in the way of our relationship with Jesus. It might look like grasping for any sense of control that you can find, creating false narratives of what people think of you, constantly feeling like you're falling short, feeling like a burden, self-sabotage because you'll never get it right anyway. This list could go on for a while, probably because these are the things that I struggle with. For me, though, the hardest of this list is the false narrative. I'm the fourth out of five kids and the youngest girl, so growing up life was incredibly busy. I have two older sisters who had tons of extracurriculars to attend. My mom was often on her own because my dad was a doctor, so he was on call a lot, and my brothers were constantly at each other's throats. And I learned at a young age how to fly under the radar and be compliant and quiet. Don't get me wrong, I was a fun-loving kid, but I didn't ever want to rock the boat. So, and I was afraid of being thought of as anything but the angel child that I had presented myself as. And this followed me into adulthood. 
In college, I really began digging into my faith. And up until then, growing up Catholic, church was just something that I did every week. A relationship with Jesus wasn't something that I knew I could have. But in college, all of that changed. I actually read my Bible for the first time and discovered truths about Jesus that I had never heard in the homilies that I grew up with. I developed a love for worship where I literally felt the presence of God. And it was all so real. And honestly, it was something that I realized I'd been craving for a really long time. But this change was not greeted well or in the way that I had hoped at home. My family questioned my faith and whether it was my own or because of my boyfriend. And my dad is an incredibly smart man of science, so he challenged me often. And I didn't always have the kinds of answers that I thought he wanted, so I got quiet. When I was away at school, I was experiencing Jesus like never before. And I just wanted to know him more and more. But when I got home, I didn't feel like I could share my faith. So I kept it to myself. And I was afraid of what my parents would say, what my family would say, because we didn't share the same faith. And I know that there are moments where I failed to share the good news of Jesus. And that is a shame that I carried for a really long time. But we don't have to allow fear to overtake our relationship with Jesus. We can rest in knowing that God views us so differently than anyone we will ever be in relationship with. And as much as we want our relationships to be filled with an unconditional love, the reality is that God is the only one who can love us this way, with a love so deep that he was willing to sacrifice his son so that we can have eternity with him, a love filled with endless second chances. Romans 5.8 reads, But God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We may have every intention of loving others this way, but we're not God. God knew that we would mess up time and time again, and he gave us Jesus anyway. He knew that over and over again we would fail to meet his expectations, but his grace tells us that we are still loved just the same. So often, though, the other voices in our lives become louder than the voice of God, and we forget the way that he sees us. In Ephesians 2.10, the writer Paul states, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When battling whether or not you are living up to others' expectations, do you keep in mind the fact that God views you as his masterpiece, that you are so loved that he allowed his only son to die in your place so that you can spend eternity with him. Remember a couple weeks ago, Michael made us say it out loud. I imagine some of you sat in your seat and really struggled to say those words out loud. Or you listened to the people near you but couldn't bring yourself to actually say it. Or maybe you said, I am God's masterpiece, but you really didn't mean it. That comes from a place of insecurity. But who told you otherwise? Whose expectations did you fail to meet? Whose approval are you really seeking? And why do you feel you need it? This is where we really have to become self-aware in regards to our humanity. We are naturally going to struggle in relationships. And as much as we may wrestle with the expectations of others, we can create that same conflict for them. Or we have preconceived notions of how things should go when really we have zero control of the outcome. We may have unspoken expectations for people, and as the saying goes, unspoken expectations lead to resentment. And as we learned a few weeks back, resentment can lead to that bitterness that can take root in our heart. But if we're really trying to let go of the things that we carry, 
It is time to examine our expectations and the expectations of others so that we can determine the next steps in dealing with them. So as I was preparing for this weekend, I found this visual that I felt was really helpful in understanding how expectations typically play out. And so each of these quadrants speak to different scenarios. And the first one that I actually want us to look at is the one that we find ourselves probably in the most and the most unhealthy, which is quadrant four. We have these unspoken expectations and people don't know them, so they don't live up to the expectation. Or vice versa, someone has an expectation of us that we don't know doesn't exist, and so we fail. And I imagine that one of the easiest examples for us to come to is expectations regarding the holidays. Long-standing traditions always make for unspoken expectations because we've always done things this way is the mentality. And obviously, if things have always been done this way, then everyone should totally be on board and understand what everyone wants. Everyone should know what dish they're supposed to bring and who's going to host. But this makes things especially hard in new relationships or in the first years of marriage because now you're navigating two different sets of traditions and it's likely that you're going to let someone down with this perfect image that they have in their mind of what Christmas should be. So it's really just a recipe for disaster for all involved. Brene Brown refers to these kinds of expectations as stealth expectations. These are expectations that we don't know others have for us, but we feel the weight of them when we meet them. Or the expectations that we didn't realize that we have for others, but we feel the disappointment building up when we assume that people should just know, but they don't. Quadrant three is a rarity, hence the name unicorn. Uh, this is when someone in your life understands a need or an expectation of yours, but you've never actually shared it. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's so refreshing. This is the friend who always seems to know when you need someone to check in. They know the picture you have in your mind, and they want to help you have it come to fruition without you even saying anything. But the danger here is that we can't expect others to somehow just figure things out. So if you've got a unicorn in your life, you better keep them close. But you need to remember that not everyone is like them. Quadrant two occurs when expectations have been shared, but have been misunderstood. So this tends to occur because there's some sort of breakdown in the conversation. You feel like you've done a good job explaining what you need from the other person, but they didn't understand what you meant. One of my not so favorite examples of this also has to do with MCAP testing. When my kids are ready to submit, I always tell them, make sure that you check your work. Nine times out of 10, those kids are just clicking on through, making sure that they have put an answer, but they're not actually going back and really checking their work to make sure that they can prove to themselves that their answers are in fact correct. And I know that this is something that I have talked to them about time and time again, but it just doesn't compute. Now, the last quadrant is the most ideal situation. We've expressed our expectations or needs, and they've been understood by the person that we've shared them with, and this is really vital to our closest relationships. For the first several years of my marriage, I would come home from work exhausted from teaching, and I would just want to vent to my husband, Chris, about how hard it was. And the problem solver that he is, he was always trying to give me help and advice and suggestions of how to fix things, <clears throat> whatever it was that was bothering me. I knew he was trying to be helpful, but I often left those conversations annoyed and feeling dismissed. I just wanted to be heard, and in my mind, he should have understood that. I wasn't asking for his help but the underlying issue was that I hadn't told him that I just needed to get these frustrations off my chest. I just wanted him to listen and empathize. 
so then we would argue. And he would try to problem solve things rather than just listen. So we had to really figure out why this was happening. And we realized it was because I had never explicitly told him that I just want an ear to listen after a long day of work. And while it took some time to make the shift, he knows now that when I come home from work frustrated, I just need him to listen. I just need him to say, that's really tough. Sorry you had such a long day. And now because we've worked at it, he knows that's what I need in those kinds of situations, and he's able to meet that need. Sharing expectations with others can be a real step in vulnerability. And remember, that makes us open to being wounded by the people that we're sharing with. But in a healthy space, these expectations can lead to real growth and maturity in relationships. In order for that growth, authentic conversations are a must. And if not, our unmet expectations can lead to real deep resentments. For the closest relationships in our lives, expectations are crucial. This is why it's a major component in any solid premarital counseling. Mark and Pam Muller, who do a lot of premarital counseling here for collective couples, but they also do some support for already married couples, have deep conversations with these people regarding their expectations in marriage. And not only do they have the person share their expectations, they actually have uh, the wife or husband repeat the expectations back so that they make sure that they are on the same page, so that there is clarity in the conversation. Because again, clear is kind. And so in knowing how these different scenarios play out in our lives, I think it's time now that we wrestle with these questions that we've gone back through throughout this series. So what expectations of yours do you need to let go of? Whose expectations do you need to let go? What is the impact of the expectations that you are carrying? How's this playing out in your life? And what is the cost of letting go of the expectations that you have and the expectations of others. For me, the cost is brave and vulnerable conversations. And that's really scary. I hate confrontation. But that's the cost if I want to live freely and lightly. So in order for us to really work through these questions and point ourselves in a healthy direction regarding expectations, we need to think through how to engage with God. How can we look to a relationship with God to know how to deal with expectations in a healthy way? What does the Bible tell us about God's expectations, and how can that knowledge help us navigate our day-to-day? And I think at the very root of it, we have to keep in mind that Jesus came so that we can live freely and lightly. In the message version of Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Rather than putting unspoken or ill-fitting expectations on people, Jesus is saying that he will teach us rhythms of grace. He will help us recover our lives and take a real rest. Isn't that what we want in our relationships? People to walk with us in our day-to-day and give us the support that we need along the way? Later in chapter 22 of the book of Matthew, a group of Jewish leaders, the Sadducees, they were known for having very high expectations of people who follow the law. They tried to trap Jesus by asking him which of Moses' laws was the most important. Verses 37 to 39 read, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus explains God's expectations to us very simply. Love God and love others. In order for us to embrace those unforced rhythms of grace, relationship is necessary. Loving God is necessary. But when we receive that grace, we're told to share it with others so that we can do, so that we can share that grace and love other people as ourselves. But we know this can get really tricky, especially when we have a hard time loving ourselves because we're so bogged down by these different weights that we carry. When we feel like we can't live up to that expectation, this is our opportunity to dig in and realize that so many also share this same struggle. We can be Jesus to others by giving them grace in the moments when they haven't met our expectations. We can recognize our role in the miscommunication and work to find common ground. In the book of Micah in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were trying to figure out what God wanted of them so that they could repent of their sins. And the response here is also simple. Micah 6, 8 reads, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is simple, but it's complex. In order to know what God considers good, we have to know him, and to love mercy when people don't get what they deserve, that takes a love much more profound than one I've ever known without God at the center. But the most challenging thing of all, I think, is to walk humbly with God, to know that he expects our humility. That's tough. We have to be willing to recognize that we cannot do this life on our own. So if you're in that space and you know that you cannot do this life on your own anymore, you have tried over and over again, but the weights that you carry are too much, we would love nothing more than for you to check the baptism box on your connection card. God does not expect perfection, but he does expect for us to come to the realization that we need him in our lives. We need his guidance and his endless second chances to drown out the false narratives that live in our minds and of how we just continue to fall short. So what are you waiting for? Take that next step. In both Micah 6 and Matthew 22, uh, the root is love, loving God. God's expectation is for us to love him. He created us to be in relationship with him, so it seems only natural that that's what he wants from us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're really grappling with what faith in Jesus looks like for you, I want to encourage you today with the fact that Jesus simply wants to be with you. He knows that life is filled with hardship, and that you'll fail time and time again, but he wants to walk beside you. He wants to give you the grace that you need when you're hurting, and when you've messed up, but he will also guide you with his truth so that you can live freely and lightly, not without challenge, but filled with hope. So as we wrap up today, the challenge is this. Let go of the things you carry. You have carried them long enough. God loves you enough that he sent Jesus, the one who wants you to live freely and lightly, the one who wants to give us rest for our souls. On your way in this morning, you probably saw a big chalkboard in the parking lot that says, I'm letting go of. So as you leave today, we want you to write what you're letting go of. It could be a word or a phrase. It could be one of the topics that we've covered in this series, bitterness, grief, insecurity, shame, expectations. Maybe it's something else that you know that it's been weighing on you for way too long. I know for me, 
today, I'm going to write that I am truly going to let go of the expectations that I have allowed to play too large of a role in my life. What will you write? How will you give yourself the opportunity to live freely and lightly by inviting God into the things you've carried? Let's pray. Hey, God, life's tough. (laughs) I think that's putting it lightly. Um, Life is really hard, God. And there are so many different things that we get caught up in, that we get stuck in. Um, And God, they just weigh us down so much. And so much so that often it gets in the way of our relationship with you. And so, God, we are so grateful that you want us to live freely and lightly. God, we are so thankful that you love us enough that you gave us Jesus, that you would sacrifice your own son who lived a perfect life as a sacrifice for people like us who mess up time and time again. God, we are so grateful for that unconditional love that you give us and so grateful for the fact that we know we don't have to walk alone because a lot of times, God, this seems so isolating and we feel like we're the only ones dealing with whatever it is that we've got going on in life. And so, God, we're just so grateful that we don't have to do that, that you will be with us each step. And, God, we're just so grateful for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.